Well, good morning, Oakwood. It's a very whimsical bumper video this morning because we're starting a new series called Holiday Prep. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a second, wait a second. This is not like Christmas in October, right? Because I've been like to all the stores and Christmas is already out. In fact, some of them are bringing out the swimsuits for next summer now because Christmas was out a couple months ago, right? No, that's a little exaggeration. But no, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to prepare ourselves for the holidays. And that's why it's called holiday prep. So we'll get into more of that in just a minute. So as every week, we encourage you to engage the word of God. So get out your Bible. Uh, Today we're going to be in James chapter 1. That's one of the books in the very, very back of the Bible toward the end of the Bible. So James chapter 1 is where we're going to be. As always, you are encouraged to get on your phone or your tablet, your device, your iPad, um, download the Oakwood app and go to the sermon notes and all the sermon notes are there for you. And that includes all the scriptures and bullet points. And there's even a way for you to take notes in there, uh, which is a really awesome way to interact. Now, I'm really excited today because something happened last night at midnight for the church. And if you are connected to the church through social media and email and different stuff during this week, then you know that uh, we have a brand new website and it launched last night. So we want to encourage you to go there to oakwood.church. Now, if you haven't been to our website in a long time, you need to go. The feedback that we've gotten, and this has been about four to six months in the making, about navigation and usability, we've taken all of those uh, comments and all that feedback and integrated that into a much more manageable website, something that's way more useful and easier to navigate so you can find out what you're looking for. Uh, so go check it out, oakwood.church. And again, you can actually link to uh, the, the sermon notes down off of that. You can do it in the app. That's the way we encourage most people to do it when you're in the room is to download download the app, and we want you to be engaged this morning. So, talking about prepping for the holidays, holiday prep. This isn't about decorations. It's not about schedules. This is really about relationships. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to be talking and looking at different passages that talk specifically about relationships. Because that seems to be a struggle during the holiday season. And, and, and for some people, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a marriage relationship, that has this tendency to get tenuous during the holidays. Maybe it's that family relationship, right? You haven't had to see Cousin Ned since last Christmas, but now, oh, here it comes. Thanksgiving dinner, we all get together, but I don't talk to him anymore. And well, is that glorifying God? Is that the way God wants a Christian uh, to relate to someone else? Um, and then there's the thing within your own family, maybe it's in your immediate family, it's your kids and the dynamics that play out there with siblings getting along, or maybe it's adult siblings getting along, or maybe you're in a situation that's really sad and you're like, I haven't talked to my adult son in 15 years, you know, my, my, my uncle that, that's just estranged from the family. We don't even invite him to Thanksgiving anymore. We, we, we don't do family things together. Or maybe it's one of those things. No, everybody shows up. Everyone's coming. But there's tension around every corner because we all bring in our expectations. This is how we want it to be. We want it to happen this way at this time. And this person had a different idea. <gasps> and so we, how do we handle that? How do we relate to that? How do we communicate through that? And that's what we're going to be talking about and focusing on today is a passage that really speaks to our communication because I wonder sometimes if we could just communicate better and when, when I say that, what do you think of? If I could just speak more clearly, right? If I could just talk. No, 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 no. What if it's all about listening? If I could listen, in proper English, more better. 
If I could, I had to say that for all my English people in here. They'll send me, a, they'll send me an email tomorrow that says, hey, you can't say that. But prepping for the holidays in these relationships. And the interesting thing is that for a lot of us, we think of we're going into Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we think it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And for some of us, if we're honest, it is the most stressful time of the year. In fact, there are some that say, I want the holidays to be over. Because when I get to like January 2nd, I get my life back. For some of you guys, you're like, I get my wife back finally because she's so stressed because of the tenuous relationships in her family during the holidays. Some of you, it might be your kids, they're just, they're just outland, they just fight all the time. And for some of you, if you're being honest, it's this time together. We spend a lot of time together and we're on the road traveling and when you cram us all into a car for 18 hours to get to grandma's house, there's no joy to the world, okay? None. There's nothing joyful or triumphant about that, all right? And so we get into this season, it's like, how can we do this better? How? And what really, really, even more important than that, what does God want us to do? And what you find out is when you apply, 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 what it says in Scripture clearly that Jesus makes everything better. And those relationships, whether it's your marriage or a friendship, immediate family, extended family, or cousin Ned, it can be better if you bring it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to do in this series. We want to take the most wonderful time of the year and make it wonderful again, right? We, we don't want it to be stressful and we don't want it to amp up stress and, and amplify it during the holiday season. Because a lot of us look at this like situational stress. And that's a real thing. You get yourself in a circumstance, right? In a situation, it becomes stressful. But I think during the holidays, what you see as situational stress, because my situation is Thanksgiving dinner, is actually, no, it's not situational. It is relational stress. It's the relationships that happen around Thanksgiving dinner. So it's in and in, in of itself not the event that's happening or the coordination of it or even the schedule, but it's the relationships that take place there. Interesting that when we had the lockdown at the very beginning of the pandemic, when no one knew what was going on, and they are like, go home for a long time. What was it, six, seven weeks here? When everybody said, everybody go home, you got to spend some time together, right? There was a lot that happened in that time. Sad truth is more divorce filings in July of 2020 than at any other time in history. Why? Because you were locked down together for 12 weeks and you couldn't get it figured out. Highest month statistically of divorce filings in the U.S., highest month, January. Why January? Because we just spent a whole lot of time together as family and as a couple from Thanksgiving through Christmas. And all of that holiday, all that time together. Folks, we have got to get this figured out. And we need to prepare as Christians Sometimes uh, I think communication is the key. In, in our passage today, in James chapter 1, James is kind of referring to that. He's kind of saying, hey, this communication thing is the key. And I know some of you are like, hey, that's not a problem for me. That guy that ticks off me and the whole family, I don't even talk to him. Guess what? Avoidance is communication. You avoiding someone is communication. What are you communicating to them? I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. You don't mean anything to me, go home. And so even sometimes we're like, oh, I don't you know, have a problem with this because I just avoid it. You are communicating even through your avoidance. And so let's see what the scripture um, has to say about this today and really over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at some key passages 
and preparing our relationships for the holiday. So today, James chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 19, James 1.19. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning. God, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that we could hear directly from you. And God, that we would not be merely hearers of this message, hearers of the word of scripture, but would be doers as well in Jesus' name. Amen. James 1.19 begins by saying this. We're just going to unpack this together. My dear brothers and sisters is how he starts out. Okay? And what he's doing there is he's talking to believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to the saved ones. So if you come this morning, you say, hey, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I believe in God. The Bible says even the demons believe in God. Doesn't mean they're going to heaven. Did you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And, and so right here at the very beginning, it's talking about to the ones in the fold. It's the ones in the fold. It's the ones that are the saved ones, the saints, the Christians. And that's why he starts out by saying, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, if you are a, a non-believer this morning, a non-Christian, here's the key, is that if you apply, this will make your relationships better. But until you have this relationship with God right, it's a blessing then to be able to have the Holy Spirit empower you to live out the truths of Scripture. So I want you to remember, get that relationship with God right first and foremost. But to the brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. That word quick there gives us the idea of ready, swift, speedy, expedience, that we should be quick to listen, and it's for everyone. Oh, I'm just not a good listener. I'm not wired that way. No excuses. Everyone should be quick to listen. Gives us the idea of listening first. Notice it's the first in our list this morning of things to do in our communication. Everyone should be quick to listen. And then it says, slow to speak. In other, in other words, that you should be slow about coming to your speech, that you should arrive at it with hesitancy and delay, that you should be slow to speak and, and slow to become angry. Why? He answers it in verse 20, the next verse. He says, because... And notice how he describes this. He says, notice, he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And you think, well, why would he write human anger? And a lot of people misunderstand. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. It's what anger produces that's a sin. Jesus was perfect and sinless as the Son of God. He never sinned. Did Jesus get angry? Yes. That was not human anger that he's talking about here. It was divine anger. It was, it was, think about it. When Jesus braided the rip, braided the whip and he went into the temple and then he was like wielding around and clearing the temple and he's like, this is supposed to be a house of worship and you made it into this like den of thieves. He was a bit miffed. <laughs> but he did not sin in his anger. In his anger, he did not sin. There was another, a couple of times it's recorded in scripture. I remember one of them, I, I just pictured Jesus being so miffed at the disciples because the, the, the children are coming to him. He's patting them on the heads. He's loving on them. He's done some teaching on this, that, that if you are wanting to come into the kingdom of God, then you have to have a faith like these kids. And, and they're like, you know, kids, get away from Jesus. He's too busy. He's too important. You kids, you don't have time for kids stuff. Get away from here. And Jesus is like, no. He's like, let the little children come unto me. I mean, Sometimes I'm like, he would be like, you disciples just don't get it yet. They'll get it, but they don't get it yet. And he's a little bit angry, but in his anger, he does not sin. We can get angry, 
but we need to be, what does it say here, slow to anger. Almost as delayed anger, thoughtful in our anger, hesitant in our anger. Why? Verse 20 says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When you get angry, do you find yourself doing righteous things? No. No, don't lie. We're in church, right? You shouldn't lie anytime, but don't lie. And, and, and here's the other thing is this human anger does not produce righteousness because you may say, well, I didn't say anything, but you thought things that you shouldn't have even thought. So this isn't just about what comes out of our mouth. This is even what's going on in our mind, which ultimately sometimes is a reflection of what? Of what's really going inside our heart. Verse 21. Therefore, because of everything he's just told us, he's told us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. And I read that and I thought, really? That's the antithesis to what you've just given us? Therefore, because of everything I've just said, then to put off moral filth and evil. Why? It's because the moral filth and the evil is what's causing us to not listen, to speak quickly, and to speak in anger quickly. And he's saying to put off the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and do what? Humbly accept what? The word, the word of God that is planted in you, which can save you. Because it's a good word. It's a gospel word. It's the hope of the world. It's salvation. And then in verse 22, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. How do you deceive yourselves? By listening to the word of God. Then he says, Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I think a lot of times we come in here on Sunday mornings and we leave and we deceive ourselves. Why? Because we listen to the word, but we don't apply it. We don't do what it says. So my prayer for you on a very practical level and a very pragmatic level for those of you that, you know, come to church and hear a sermon, apply it to my life, I want to, you know, if you apply the word today and you apply what we've just read and what we're going to learn here in the next few minutes, It will go well with you. It will. But there's also this heart work that God is wanting to do through it all. And there's this Holy Spirit empowerment work that God wants to transform you from the inside out. And it will affect all of the relationships in your life, including your relationship with Almighty God. So let's unpack this together. It's really simple this morning. Number one. First application point is to be quick to listen. To be quick to listen. I think there's a difference between I heard something and I listened to something. You hear it, you may be able to repeat it for about five seconds, but you didn't really give any thought to it. There was no analysis, there was no receiving it, there was no contemplation of it. Here he says that we need to be quick to listen, that we need to listen first and listen intently. I believe when he says this and he lists it here in the passage, this is by strategy. He doesn't start out with being slow to speak or being slow to become angry. He starts out with quick to listen because that's the first and most important thing. And I wonder if we would just hear each other sometimes how life may be different. And we are called to be quick to listen, to listen first. Now, I will stand before you today and say, I am probably the worst at this. And if my wife weren't sweet and we're being honest this morning, she would say, Eric's really bad at this. Because the way it works with me sometimes is when someone's talking, I'm thinking of my response. Any, any of you do that? 
They're talking. It's like, I'm not really listening. I'm waiting. Now I can talk. Okay. You know, and I'm thinking about my response more than I'm actually intently listening. And I'm sure not contemplating what they said. I could say, oh, yeah, I heard what you said. Because sometimes people have asked me that. Did you hear what I said? Well, yeah, I've heard what you said. I repeat it right back to you. Did I consider what you said? No way. Why? Because I was coming up with my comeback. That's the way that it works. And yet he says here to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And it gives us this idea that, that we need to take the time to consider and to do it first. Now, I, I would say, hopefully, prayerfully, God is growing me in this area. And that someday I hope my wife can notice it enough to say, hey, you're getting better at listening. That's my goal. For some of you, that could be your goal. Because if you're being honest and the people around you were honest, they would say, you are not a good listener. And the Bible says, hey, listen. And we don't listen just to check a box, right? We listen for understanding. We listen for the sake of communication. And when we fail to listen, listen to what this does sometimes. When we fail to listen, we often misunderstand someone, right? We misunderstand what they're saying. Why? Because you didn't receive it. You didn't listen to it. You didn't hear it. We misunderstand it. Sometimes we misinterpret it. Why? Because we, we cut them off. We were thinking about our response. Sometimes it leads us to jump to conclusions. You ever jump to a conclusion? Sometimes it just shows this person that there is a lack of care. To hear what they say, you don't really care about them. If you did, you'd listen. There's a lack of compassion because you refuse to listen there's also going to be a lack of understanding that sometimes leads them to, and this is probably more with the men than it is the, the ladies, but it leads them to feeling like there's a lack of respect. Why? Because I have words and thoughts and maybe emotions and feelings that I'm trying to convey and you are not listening. How many fights in your marriage have had this line be a part of it? You are not listening. You didn't hear me. And we're not talking just about marriages. We're talking about family relationships. We're talking about what's happening around the Thanksgiving table and Christmas dinner and all the other gatherings that will happen. Whereas this, this, there's this tension because we don't agree on some things or it didn't go how I envisioned it going. I had this big grandiose vision in my mind. It didn't go that way. But we communicate, and the first step, quick, the first is to listen, and to listen well. How do you think your spouse will feel if you became a better listener? I'm sure you're not going to hear, oh, I hate it that you love to listen to me. I hate that. So annoying when you listen to me. And I actually hear all my words and hear what I have to say. I hate that. Please stop listening to me. I, have, I mean, seriously. It's only going to make things better. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's just the group that you hang with, those, those people from work, those people from school. Maybe it's your siblings. And maybe it's just that person that just rambles on that's so annoying at the holidays, but just they just want to be heard. They want to be listened to and understood. And how does that affect a marriage? How does that affect a friendship? How does that affect an extended family relationship? I'm going to be sharing some wisdom from Proverbs through this. Proverbs, the book of wisdom uh, written by Solomon. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says this. To answer before listening. 
Pause. That is folly and shame to answer before listening. But how many times have you been in conflict because you responded without really, truly, honestly listening? James says, be quick to listen. Next one, obvious, from verse 19. To be slow to speak, slow to speak. There's this theme that runs throughout the book of James where he often talks about the tongue. He talks about the tongue, how it's, man, it's like a pistol. It's, it, it'll fire you up. It gets you in trouble. It'll burn a whole forest down from a little spark from your tongue. He has this theme about immoral talk and the tongue and all the destructiveness that it causes. It's a theme in his writings. And an uncontrolled, unbridled tongue, a quick to respond tongue, a quick to speak tongue causes many issues and much pain and heartache and hurt. And that's why it affects so many lives so negatively. I know sometimes when you listen, you're listening and you're so fired up, you're just like, oh, I'm not going to let them say that. So you got to fire back. There's no way I'm going to let them get away with that, so you fire. But here, brothers and sisters, as he addresses us at the beginning, it says that we should be slow to speak. And this word slow gives us this sense of hesitancy that we're almost, we almost hesitate to speak. And I, I thought, why? Why hesitate to speak? Why not just speak in the moment? You know, some people play the Holy Spirit card there. Oh, the Holy Spirit took over and made me sin in my talk. You know, no. It, it, it gives us this point to where we can thoughtfully reflect and maybe prayerfully consider. Because I think we need that sometimes. I know I need that sometimes. Because I can be quick to talk. Especially at ball games. Sometimes. When referees miss a call. I want to help them. Okay? I'm trying to help. I'm trying to point out so they don't repeat that same error again. And so, but... Sometimes it would go well thus to become slow to speak. Notice that it doesn't say, don't speak. If he wanted you to not speak at all, he would say, be mute or do not speak. And he doesn't say that. He says, be slow and thoughtful and prayerful in the speed of your response. Be slow to respond and do it in a thoughtful and prayerful way. I wonder if you've ever experienced this like I have. I've sometimes sat on something. Uh, many times I, I will uh, type something out, usually in an email. I'm an email guy. I'll type something out in an email, and then I won't hit the send button. And sometimes I'm like, man, I'll, I'll receive. I don't know if you ever receive these. I, I get these uh, texts and emails, not very often, but occasionally, a couple times a year, people that don't like me for whatever reason, and they want to let me know. They don't like me for whatever reason. And I call them nasty grams. You ever gotten a nasty gram? Maybe you get it on your email. Maybe it comes in a text on the phone and you read it. And what do you do? You're like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to tell them what I think about that. So wrong. Now he, James would tell us here, brothers and sisters in Christ, you Christians should be slow to respond. And so it's like, okay, slow to respond. Put it down. Going to think about it. Going to prayerfully consider. And it's amazing if you take this hesitate step here, the slowing before you speak, your words can get put together a lot better than it does in the moment. A lot better. 
In fact, a lot of escalation, I think, in marital fights is because it's just back and forth. And there's, you know, it's quick. We're, we're, we're quick to speak and not slow to speak. Sometimes in these dynamics that happen during the holidays with family members that we only see once a year, and you're like, praise the Lord, that's part of the Lord's blessing of my life, it's only seeing once a year, but it's because when we get into conversations, what? It just, it's tit for tat, and it's back and forth, and it's quick to speak, quick to speak, quick to speak, quick to speak. Whether it's trying to one-up each other, or whether it's your view of this is not right, and my view of this is, or whether you've offended my wife, you've offended my sister's honor. The napkins are green because they're supposed to be green, and not the orange ones were ugly anyway. And oh, yeah, it just, it, what if we just kind of settled down a little bit, and we became slow? Have you ever typed something out and then sat on it for like, I don't know, a few hours, maybe a day or so, and you go back and you read it, and you're like, whew, I'm glad I didn't send that. I actually have a, a guy in our church that oftentimes I will write my true feelings in an email, and I will send it to him first before I send it to someone else. And I'll say, what do you think about this? And he'll usually respond back and say, wow, you sound angry. You sound bitter. You don't sound very pastoral. In fact, you don't even sound Christian in this email, so I'm glad you sent it to me. Don't ever send it to anyone else. And sometimes we need that accountability in our life, right? We need that person that we can send something to, that we can lean on, that'll be honest with us and give us honest feedback and say, hey, that's not good. There's something not right here. But folks, I'm here, I'm here to tell you this point. It takes time. Slow to speak is exactly what James means. Slow down before you respond. In the email, on the text, and the ever famous places that I love, like Facebook and InstaLie, and all those places, think before you respond, before you type it, before you post it, before you hit enter, before you hit return, before you return fire. Because I know they're wrong, and you know they're wrong, but it doesn't matter. And I just wonder if we would take this step to be slow in our responses, to be slow to speak, how much better life may be, how much less stressful the holidays may be. Because sometimes when you're slow to respond, and you have more time to think because you listened, and you have more time to consider their position, you can see the pain through their words. And you begin to consider, you're, you're like, you know what, wow. Only a very angry, bitter, sad person would write that. In fact, I find myself not wanting to attack them back now. I find myself wanting to pray for them. You know, the shirt, I'm a pray for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pray for them. There's something going on there that's not right in their heart. There's so much pain and really they're just taking it out on you. You're the receiver of it every Thanksgiving dinner. Slow to speak. Proverbs, again, the wisdom literature. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What do you want to be characterized by? A reckless person that's reckless with their words, that you are a person that, man, their words have such a sharp tongue, they just pierce like swords, or... Would you rather be one of those that says the tongue that is wise, that is discerning, that was slow to respond, slow to speak, brings healing? And what does your holiday gathering need more? Piercing like swords? 
or healing. James would say, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. And the last one, be slow to anger. Slow to become angry. Because if you think about it, where does the anger that you feel really manifest itself from? I'll tell you what it is for me. I'll just be straight up. People don't do what I want them to do. Your spouse does not do what you want them to do. Your kids don't do what you want them to do. Cousin Eleanor brings her lousy husband and her unruly children, and they don't do what I want them to do. I have these activities and everything's planned that are meaningful, and they never work out because people don't do what I want them to do. Sometimes it is we need to temper our expectations a little bit, but when it actually turns to this and it's almost this emotional anger in us. And a lot of times it comes from us being selfish a little bit and just wanting people to do it our way, to just fall in line, to yield their will to what we really want, to what's meaningful to us. Have you considered the anger and frustration many times will lead to an urgent response? When you feel anger and you feel frustrated in the moment, you want to do what? You want to fix it right there. You want to let them have it back. And you're like, oh. And it's like, quick. No. Slow to anger. Again, taking a step back. Again, showing a time of hesitancy. And James is sitting here. He's, he's imploring us for this because of what it says in verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And that's what we're to be pursuing. is more Christ-likeness as we are sanctified. And as we go through this process, after we accept Christ Jesus, of becoming more like him. And more like him in his responses. There's a couple times where the Pharisees and some of the religious types were coming after Jesus. I remember feeling that Jesus, this is one of those moments, Jesus could lash out. But he never sinned. He might give a quip back. There's so much wisdom in what he says as the Son of God. But there were times where Jesus would, you want to say something to me? Okay. Do you remember that? He stepped away and wrote something in the dirt, came back. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. And maybe in the slowness, it produces the righteousness that God desires because we actually have a time to consider and to actually pray. Prayer, prayer takes time. To actually reflect on the situation and actually pray about it. And I'm telling you, you'll feel totally different about it if you'll take a step back and just do that. I promise. You may feel the same way, but the, the edge of it will be rubbed off a little bit. Maybe the, the way that you're going to come about in that response, which is going to be so forceful and so hurtful, and even have a tone, a tone of hate to it, now you feel completely different about it. Why? Because you took the time to become slow to anger. Again, wisdom literature on this from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. How many times have you seen that? How many times have you seen that online this week? <laughs> a quick-tempered response displays folly, but whoever is patient 
and can allow God to do some work in the waiting has great understanding because they don't have to just fire back. Now, sometimes in life, I think it's required that, hey, I, I know I'm in line here. I've already, I've maybe thought this out in the past. Sometimes a quick response is warranted, but most of the time, we need to take some time and to pray and to consider, God, how, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to respond? Another one is in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. It says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So are you the stirrer of conflict or are you the patient one that calms the quarrel? Are you the peacemaker in your home? Are you the peacemaker in your family? Are you the one that brings the family together? Are you the one that everyone in the family loves because they know this person will bring peace and calm and wisdom? And then again, we get down here to verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil, all those thoughts that are pouring into your mind. This is part of being slow to anger is those thoughts. I think a lot of times we think of the anger, it's, it's the action that comes out. But what if you were able to redeem your mind? To renew your mind. Do you remember what Romans 12 says? Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of your Thanksgiving dinner, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good is pleasing his perfect will. Slow to anger. We can hear these things today, but the problem is the application of it. Everyone probably agrees with God, right? Quick to listen. All people said, amen, amen, right? Amen, we agree with that. Slow to speak, and all God's people would say, amen, yeah, amen, amen, we agree with that. Slow to anger. Everybody would say, amen, yes, 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 bring it. But if we don't live it out, if we don't walk it out, if we don't apply it to our lives, and that's why he gives us Verse 22. It's amazing the contrast that is lived out here too. In, in verse 21, look, look at the great contrast just in three parts of verse 21. The first one, he starts out with in verse 21, he says, get rid of in contrast of what? Humbly accept. Get rid of, but humbly accept. The next part is the evil that is prevalent. He says the moral filth and the evil that is prevalent in contrast to the word that is planted in you. And the last one is really implied. I mean, he's talking about these things which threatens you. There's an implication there. He doesn't actually say it, but you could read it and say, these things threaten you, which threatens you in contrast to which can save you. In these ways that you communicate to make relationships better. And even when you're dealing with people who drive you crazy or they're just crazy, the application is the same. And how does he end it all? Hey folks, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, 
do these things and, and be more righteous because of the work that Jesus has done on the Christ, because of the work and the sanctification that God is doing in your life. Do these things and, and, and get rid of all the moral filth and the evil and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And then he ends it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to it. If you listen to it and you don't apply this, there goes Thanksgiving and Christmas again. Those moments that you have ahead of you in the next couple of months that could bring you together are going to tear you apart. And you're going to go home in tears and husbands, you're going to have to go comfort your wife and wives, you're going to have to go get your husband, talk him off the ledge. The kids... That ongoing war between these cousins and those cousins. It, it doesn't have to be that way. And you may say, well, I'm going to do my part. Well, good. Scripture says you should. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. And like I said earlier, if you're not a Christian this morning and you apply these principles from James chapter one, you'll have better relationships in your life. And especially even this holiday season when you may have more togetherness than you have other times of the year. When those gatherings come, be quick to listen. Slow to speak because slow to become angry. And don't just listen to the word. Apply it. Do what it says. But I think I'd be remiss this morning if I didn't tell you about another relationship that you got to get right. Because it seems like if I yield myself to God, if I have my relationship right with God, I'm in right standing with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's amazing how that affects all the other relationships in my life. If I have Jesus Christ, I can have peace in so many other places in my life that I didn't have peace before. And it's because, guess what? I'm connected to the Prince of Peace who gives us his word, but through his spirit gives us the power to actually live it out. I'm not just doing the try harder, Eric, thing. I'm doing the Holy Spirit enabling me, blowing my mind, and taking me deep, deeper and further and making me more mature than I ever thought I could be. And it's, it's, a, it's a power thing from God. Again, I'm not trying to discourage you from trying harder. But for some of us, it's surrender more and get this relationship with Jesus Christ right.